The views expressed on this program are solely those of the speaker and do not reflect the views and opinions of Centennial Securities. Be reminded that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Happy Friday! Welcome to the Weekly Investment Podcast, where we discuss the week's must-know investment news and how it affects your money. I am your host, Walter. This week, we discuss the latest consumer price data, the case for bonds, and taxable investing strategies. It's been another exciting week in the investment world, so let's crack right into the news. U.S. consumer price increases accelerated in March amid ongoing inflationary pressures as supply chain disruptions and shortages lingered across the economy. On Tuesday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released the latest Consumer Price Index, or CPI, data, which was up 8.5% in March compared to the same month last year. This is the largest increase since 1981 and followed a 7.9% annual increase in February. According to Bloomberg, economists were expecting an 8.4% jump in March. On a month-over-month basis, prices rose 1.2% in March, following a 0.8% rise in February. The biggest contributors to the latest inflation increase were food, shelter, and gasoline. So, all is good, unless you have to eat, sleep under a roof, or drive. Core CPI, which is measured without volatile food and energy prices, jumped 6.5% in March over last year. Airline fares increased by 10.7% on a monthly basis, and by nearly 24% over the last year, as rising fuel costs and increased demand for travel push ticket prices higher. Consumer price increases have accelerated on an annual basis for seven consecutive months, and a lot of these costs have been passed on to consumers. Some are now speculating that we are close, if not at, the peak of inflation. While we wait for an end to rising costs, members of the Federal Reserve are voicing concerns on inflation and using policy tools to bring down fast-rising prices. The Federal Reserve's March meeting minutes suggested that, in regard to interest rates, quote, many would have preferred a 50 basis point increase, end quote. The Federal Reserve is set for their next policy-setting meeting on May 3rd and 4th, where they may just make that half a percentage point increase. The first quarter of 2022 has been difficult for savers and retirees alike, as it was one of the worst quarters for fixed income in decades. Fixed income, or bonds, have been under pressure as rising inflation eats into a bond's take-home yield and rising interest rates make existing bonds' prices go down. However, this week, 
large investment firm Charles Schwab said that rising yields have created a prime buying opportunity, and that after nearly three years of near-zero interest rates, retirement savers can finally earn attractive returns. It may seem counterintuitive to buy bonds just as the Federal Reserve embarks on a series of interest rate hikes, which are inversely related to bond prices. But there are a couple of indications that Schwab analysts say point to a potential buying opportunity. The bond yield curve, which we discussed last week, jumped and has maintained a high level, which means that the market is already discounting a fast pace of Fed rate hikes. Even though the Fed has only raised interest rates once this year, the yield curve suggests that a lot of the future rate increases are being priced in. The second indicator is the true level of inflation affecting the economy. Due to rising commodity prices, Schwab analysts expect inflation to remain through the end of this year, at which point levels should ease again. The economy already appears to be cooling, as rising interest rates moderate housing demand and other expenditures. And if this trend continues, that may temper inflation. Charles Schwab analysts said that inflation expectations appear reasonably contained. Markets are discounting high inflation in the near term, but an aggressive tightening cycle by the Fed will pull it lower in the longer term. In short, that means short-term inflation expectations are high, the most since 1981, but that long-term inflation is expected to remain near 3%, which is the historical long-term average, dating back over 30 years. Tax Day is coming up, Monday, April the 18th, and last week we teased discussing how to avoid one of either death or taxes. Since I am not here to lecture you on eating more kale, regular exercise, or sleeping more, let's talk about tax mitigation strategies for taxable investment accounts. Taxable accounts are usually individual or jointly titled accounts whose investment activity is taxable. If a bond pays interest, a stock pays a dividend, or an appreciated investment is sold, then you will own some taxes. If you own one of these accounts, you will receive a 1099 tax form detailing what taxable activity happened in the previous year. So, how do you minimize taxes in a taxable account? Here are a three popular strategies. Number one, muni bonds. When it comes to bonds and the interest that they pay, municipal or muni bonds have some of the most favorable tax advantages. Interest income on muni bonds can be exempt from federal taxes, and if you live in the state where the bond was issued, then state and local taxes can be avoided as well. Keep in mind that because of this unique feature, muni bonds often have lower yields than comparable corporate bonds, so it is important that you do the math 
and check what opportunities will pay you the most, even after taxes are considered. Number two, passive investment strategies. A passive investment has very little turnover or buying and selling within the fund in an attempt to beat the market. This is different to an active strategy, which is always buying and selling. The amount of turnover in a fund will have tax consequences, suggesting that funds with little to no turnover should be considered in taxable accounts. Number three, tax advantage strategies. Did you know that there are equity investments designed to be tax advantageous? These funds tend to mimic popular indexes, as well as having an additional focus on further reducing turnover and taxable activity. What are the downsides to a tax-advantaged fund? Well, that depends on the specific fund because, as we've mentioned in the past, not all investments are created equal. But some tax-advantaged funds have shown little to no downside. For example, a very well-known investment company with trillions of dollars under management has a tax-advantaged fund that tracks the S&P 500. And that fund is outperforming the S&P 500 over the last 12 years. Join us next week when we discuss Elon Musk's now hostile takeover of Twitter. Boy, did that move fast. Tune in next week for that and much, much more. Thank you for listening, and please have a nice weekend when you get there. Talk to you next week.